Hi guys, it's Tammy and this is Casey and we're the MI guys. High five. High five. <laughs> we're here to enhance your evidence-based communication skills for individuals, organizations, or the communities that you serve. So welcome to the conversation today. Today we've got a question that quite frankly comes from me. Okay. I'm, I'm writing this question That's in. That's good. Nice. <laughs> so my question is, can you use motivational interviewing with kids? That's a great question. Um, when I think about the conversations we've had about the physics of motivational interviewing, mm -hmm. um, the, the basic dynamics of MI, my, my basically foundational thought about like MI with kids or when people ask with any particular population or any particular diagnosis, for me what it always comes down to is does that individual feel two ways about the target behavior. Mm -hmm. So whatever the topic yes. is, whatever is being talked about, do they feel two ways about that? Mm -hmm. So, and then if there's a target behavior to be had, then it has the potential for an MI-based conversation. Mm -hmm. There's, again, this is something that could be controversial. There's gonna be probably competing thoughts on this or, or conflicting thoughts on this with other people. But for me, fundamentally, in the way that I practice and teach motivational interviewing, is if an individual has ambivalence and there is a potential for a target behavior, you can use an MI-based structure to it. Mm -hmm. What you do have to adjust is you're gonna to have to have linguistic adjustments, developmental, where they're at mm -hmm. for their age-wise, um, adjusting it. And one thing that I've always you know, readily shared in terms of my own experience, using motivational learning appropriately in my own life, personally and professionally, is can I detach from the outcome? Mm-hmm. Or am I trying to use it to get them to do what I want them to do? Mm -hmm. So again, fundamentally with children, if you're trying to get them to do something you want them to do, then you're shifting already away from an MI-based conversation from, yeah. from my vantage point of the way that I look at MI. Yeah. There's, um, there's a, uh, a great book. It's one that people ask, has there been parenting books using motivational interviewing and that there would be a lot of controversy around that. I, I Knowing the mint world, the way that I, you know, know the mint world, I know there'd be a lot of controversy around that. Mm -hmm. But a book that I found that I think parallels some constructs of motivational interviewing is Parenting with Love and Logic. It's the whole series by Foster Klein. Um, and about choices and things like that. What I learned in my own personal life with my own children, um, I have my son um, who came into my life when he was a teenager and I was not using any of these constructs and I was just doing the best parenting that I thought I could do and it generated lots of resistance. You know, he's gonna follow my rules and yeah. I'm gonna teach him to be responsible and respectful. And it, it just didn't work well. And it was mm -hmm. especially somebody that I just deeply love since he's my son and, mm -hmm. and, and so I do get attached to those outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so as a teenager, when you're talking about children, when I started shifting to more of an MI, method of communication which is what are his values what are his goals what's his perception of the target behavior the more that there's the tension between the two of us uh -huh. the more that it shifted into compliance okay. the more that it really i had a uh, a true belief when we talk about supporting autonomy and activation do i believe he has choice there's times that i don't believe that he has a choice there's times he's going to do it my way yeah uh, which is going to create a lot of tension and resistance and fighting yeah but you're also the parents. So. But I'm also the parents. So there's mm -hmm. going to be times that compliance is the is going to be the what I go with. But then I always have to make that decision, and this is what I always tell professionals as well too. You always have to make that decision when it comes to compliance. There's a very low likelihood it's going to create sustained behavior change. Mm -hmm. So do you want compliance? Which is a parent. There's times I just want compliance. 
But if I actually step back, what I really am looking for is behavior change. Yeah. So then you have to operate from, does this individual have values or core values where their behaviors are lining up with or um, conflicting with their mm -hmm. own internal values, not my values? Mm -hmm. It's the fundamental construct in motivational interviewing. Whose values and goals are we trying to get their behavior in alignment with? Mm -hmm. Now from having that experience with my teenage son, who's now 30 years old, 30 plus years old, when I had my twin daughters, what I realized was that it was around three years old, a little over three years old, when they had a sense of the difference between good, bad, happy, sad, mm -hmm. um, you know, friends, not friends, mean, nice. Like as soon as there was two sides of a coin, then I could have a basic MI structure for conversation. What it's more difficult developmentally is they don't have those ingrained core values that are helping them operate, but it's also a great way to model that and have a dialogue structured specifically for children to be able to start to think, is their behavior in alignment with what they want? Mm -hmm. So if one of the twins was being mean, um, or one was crying, or, and again, it's not a clinical conversation, yeah. but it's, it's just like motivational learning, it's a strategic, mindful way of responding, mm -hmm. of thinking about, is your behavior getting you what you want? Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, you can have an MI basic structured conversation. So again, one of the terms that you, know, you hear John talk about a lot, or, or I talk about it, you talk about it, you're not MIing your children, mm -hmm. but motivation is not about MIing anybody. You're not trying to fix them or MI them. Mm -hmm. What it is is how do you have a meaningful, structured conversation, a mindful conversation to help them resolve their ambivalence and get their behavior lined up with the goals or the values or, or their ultimate outcome that they're looking for. Yeah. So, so that's what I think of when you're looking at how do you adjust it developmentally. Um, so what I say across the board, oh, of course you can use MI with children. I wouldn't say it blatantly like that, but what I would say is there are constructs of MI that make it motivational interviewing that absolutely are applicable to working mm -hmm. with children. From my experience, having used it personally and professionally with children, there's ways of working through ambivalence. Yeah. There's also times when we think from an empowerment perspective, when you think of a teenager or a child, um, that there's times that they don't have choices. Yeah. Um, and the reality is they're being, you know, cared for and, and they have caretakers and caregivers that are, are raising children mm -hmm. and there's times that they there's times that a lot of us don't have choices exactly. about things going on but with work situations other times that we don't feel we have choice and so in those moments it can be more difficult to have a pure mi based conversation but then on the same it'd be the same kind of parallel to when i think of people that are um on probation or mm -hmm. have other situations where they have constraints which a lot of, you know, there's adults that have those same constraints. It still doesn't mean they don't have some choice. Yeah. So I think I get, I see such a strong value in raising children that make values-based decisions mm -hmm. and understanding that they do have choice and that there's things they don't have choice about. But if I am trying to build that sense of self-efficacy mm -hmm. or self-agency, I think for me, the foundational structures of motivational interviewing are a great foundational structure to, to, to have those dialogues from or to work from in creating that kind of communication. So. And that makes a lot of sense too, because again, there's situations and times, like if your kid runs out in the middle of the street or is about to, you're not gonna have a conversation about that. You're not gonna amplify their ambivalence. Yeah, <laughs> you are just grabbing them and making sure that they're safe. Right. But if you have a high schooler that's thinking about going to you know, a, a rager or some sort of party or something that 
you do want to have a little bit of a conversation about their values and making sure that that night goes in alignment with their values, that could be a really healthy conversation, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you're not going to drop back to compliance. True, (laughs) true. But the thing that I think about is the writing reflex that I would have, Mm -hmm. having had those conversations, um, and knowing the outcomes that I want and the outcomes that I want to control, and then having been in human service for so long, as long as I've been in the human service field for being immersed in motivational interviewing for so long, knowing, unfortunately, I cannot control the ultimate outcome. Mm -hmm. For as much as I can rip out what little hair I have, um, get frustrated, um, scream, yell, throw a temper tantrum of my own adult temper tantrum, that still is not going to necessarily control the ultimate outcome. Yeah. And so when I just take a deep breath from all this exposure and awareness of all these different ways of communicating, I can take a deep breath and go, you know, for the long run, what I'd prefer is that my son makes values-based decisions. Mm -hmm. And if I genuinely prefer that, then how do I step inside his reality, understand where he's feeling conflicted internally between a sense of connection with his friends um, that net sense of social connection, um, being at a rager, mm-hmm. and then levels of integrity that he has in terms of does, is his behavior lining up with other levels of integrity in terms of drinking or you know drug use or things like that. Mm-hmm. If his behavior is lined up with those things as well too, the thought of even being able to walk through that with an adolescent or a teenager, you're really helping their executive functioning. So I think those are the things that I think of with children or adolescents or adults these structured conversations can have an impact on that. And that, that for me, I'd rather go into it mindfully than just thinking they're going to do what I tell them to do, by God. Yes. So to slow down real quick, executive functioning, let's talk about what that is. Well, and, you know, most people, we hear the term executive functioning. What I just, for me, just the simple way to think about it is it's the CEO, the chief executive officer of your brain, which is your coping skills, your problem-solving skills, and when you're talking about children and adolescents, their executive functioning is developed. Then we can get into a whole other podcast on uh, trauma and the Mm. impact of trauma on executive functioning. And so what I think of when you have a developing problem-solving coping skill process that's developing is executive functioning is developing in our brain. What I've learned over the years is I want to have a a proactive pro-social impact on that. telling people what to do and telling them how they should feel and, and what they need to think and how they need to behave, you actually train their brain to be reactive. Mm-hmm. And then for their thoughts to go more subversive, which causes a whole different set of issues to mm-hmm. unfold. And for me, what I've seen is when you can suspend all the normal reactions your writing reflects from a parenting perspective or from an adult child or an adult adolescent perspective, mm-hmm. if I can suspend all the normal reactions that I have. If you're an adolescent and I can step inside your worldview, and if I can strategically, by the way that I communicate, connect the dots for you in terms of problem solving, not only what the short-term outcome could be, but try to connect the dots between long-term outcomes and decisions you make and how that's gonna impact those outcomes, if I have that capacity to do that, why would I not wanna do that? Yeah. And so that's for me is how you can start to have some impact on executive functioning. Mm-hmm for values-based decision-making that's not me trying to tell you what you need to do and why you need to do it because I'm your dad Yeah. Uh, kind of perspective. So. Well, and the ability to help someone work through their own executive functioning and decision-making skills 
it's also a good life skill, right? Absolutely. You know, for people to actually be able to think through, reflect, and be able to make decisions um, thoughtfully. Yes. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That's it. And that's why, that's why it's, for me, it's why it's, I don't want it to be too um, oversimplified, but what I think of is if there's any human being that's struggling. Yeah. And they've got values and goals you can access. Yeah. And there's behaviors they could adjust to get more in alignment with that move in a positive direction. For me, it's it's it seems structurally or from a physics perspective, it should be irrespective of age or diagnosis or developmental yeah. capacity. It really has to do with do they have ambivalence about a target behavior? Can mm -hmm. they see two sides of it? And do they have a pro-social direction they prefer to move in towards mm -hmm. or how their life um, be more representative of and if that's true the fundamental structure of MI I think works can totally help yep. well and then worst case scenario just some of the micro skills that you learn within one of these Shulman inter interviewing will help reduce resistance increase yep. engagement how many parents out there want to get their kids to talk a little bit more to them that's a skill uh, too it helps <laughs> it, it helps. definitely helps yeah well, thank you so much for answering. Thank you so much for watching. Feel free to send any questions our way. We are happy to answer them for you. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Take care.